sense of urgency. Oh, good morning. How many of you can identify with the lady in that video? Yeah. I am so happy to be here with you this morning if you're a visitor. My name is Nathan, and uh, I, I just, all I want to do this morning, of course, we, we gather to lift the name of Jesus high, and um, we want to do that. We want to spend some time in his word. And I, I really want to give you a chance. I really want to give you some room to, to breathe. In fact, I told the kids yesterday, we were here for a, uh, our fast car event. And uh, by the way, thank you for praying for that. Uh, God answered prayers yesterday. And I believe that the gospel went forth in power. And it was a good time. It was a lot of fun. And I told the kids yesterday to do this. And I'm going to tell you to do it now. I'm going to ask you to do it. But if you don't do it, then you're going to get kicked out. So I'm telling you to do it. I want everybody to do what I'm about to do now, and I'm going to model it for you, and you're going to do it, and it's going to be a little awkward, and it's fine. I'm okay with that. Take a deep breath in through your nose and out through the mouth. Do it again. In through the nose, out through the mouth. I don't know when the last time you've ever been able to do that was. Uh, for me, it's probably been a while. Well, yesterday notwithstanding, I did it yesterday. But uh, to take a breath. This, uh, this life is stressful. And even just watching that video, some of you probably got a little stressed out watching the mom going through what she had to go through on uh, a daily process. And that's, what, that's kind of what it can seem like sometimes, can it? Like you're, you're caught in this loop, uh, spinning your tires, grinding your wheels, caught on the hamster wheel, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And I think, this, I think the world that we live in, unfortunately, especially in this culture, will glorify stress. In fact, some of you, if you're not super stressed out, you feel like you're not doing anything. It's like to be stressed is, uh, it gives us a sense of importance. Maybe it gives you the illusion that you're actually getting something done just to, to be super overtasked and stressed out. Uh, this morning, I would like to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 10 with me, and uh, we'll be looking at a familiar passage, a passage that I think we can read through it and never quite know exactly what Jesus is talking about if we're not careful. And uh, a little bit ago, like maybe a couple months, I was tasked by somebody who lives with me uh, to clean out my closet. And I don't know how many of you have ever been in that situation where you, you, you know, you have... I had some time off, and, and um, I was enjoying myself. I actually went hunting with a friend of mine. That doesn't get to happen very often. And I was enjoying my time off, but I had one major task, and that was to clean my closet. Stephanie and I, I spoiled who it was, in case you didn't ask. We, we share a closet, and it's kind of small. 
And that's okay. It's big enough for the both of us. Uh, but I have my side. She has her side. And my side, you know how it can get, okay? And I don't know if it's your closet, if it's your desk, if it's your garage, if it's that corner of the room, if it's your junk drawer, if it's your entire house. I don't know what it is for you. But for me, it's my closet. I can just shut the door and I don't have to see the mess, right? And I'm not a hoarder, but I do kind of hang on to shirts. There's nothing like an old t-shirt. I love t-shirts. And you know that saying, I've been there, got the t-shirt, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, whatever? That's me. If if they offer a t-shirt, I'm taking one, okay, especially if it's free. And I just love having old shirts, love the the, the broken in t-shirt, and I can never get rid of them. And sometimes they're hanging up in my closet. Well, this, you know, I open the door and it's kind of caving in and falling over. It's cluttered. It's like a living thing. It eventually kind of creeps out. And it wasn't good. So I, I cleaned it out. And uh, it's kind of one of those things. That if, you, if, you, if you don't, if you have that area of your life, it's hard enough to even look at it or think about it. You don't even want to do that. Because that can kind of initiate a certain amount of stress. So you just walk by it with closed eyes. You ignore it. You let it go another month, you say, I'll take care of it later, and it can go and go and go and never quite get, get taken care of. So I, I had stuff in there, probably from 2005, okay? And you're like, well, why don't you get rid of it? Well, who knows? It may come back in style. <laughs> stuff that doesn't fit now may fit again later, so you have to hang on to it, okay? And souvenirs, stuff with value. So I'm sitting up here trying to justify my behavior, and it's not really working that well. So I threw out a bunch of stuff. And uh, got it all cleaned out, got it organized, and it was really nice because a couple days ago I, wa- I walked in there to pack a bag, and I was like, ah, look at what I did. The hard work is done. I have my pants here, my polo shirts or my dress shirts. It was all super organized. You'd be really proud. And it was nice to have something taken care of in my life. But you know what? It's hard to say goodbye to some good things. To make room for the best things. Huh, right? It can be very difficult. Uh, you may be, somebody told me, you know, in the, in the busyness of life, as we turn our blind eyes to something that might be out of control, uh, as we f- feel super stressed, as we, uh, there's different kinds of anxiety, I believe. There's the clinical sense. There's just the normal everyday sense, maybe. Uh, but things that make us anxious. And uh, somebody told me that you, you might be feeding your ego, but you're starving your soul. It's hard to catch a breath. Why do people thrive in craziness? Ever think about that? Why do we make this life so complicated? And why do we, why do we seek to, to stress ourselves out almost? If you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I don't, I don't try to stress myself out. Hang with me. Hang with me. Jesus never meant that for us. Agree or disagree, hang on to that statement because this today's, in today's passage, I believe God has spoken. I believe that God speaks today. Uh, some people might disagree, but I believe that when we want to hear God speak, here it is, crack it open. He has spoken to you. He speaks through these ancient pages and uh, he speaks loudly into our lives. And so I don't have to wonder if uh, today's message from his word is fitting for us, and I've been praying for you. I hope that's not weird. I hope you don't find that odd, but I've been praying for you every day for the past at least few weeks leading up to today that God would speak in a mighty way to our lives as we look into his word and recognize the fact that we need rest. You say, well, you know, we're kind of lazy in this country. Well, we need rest. We need to learn how to work right. We need to learn how to rest right. We need to learn how to pray and play and do all those things right. But I think today we need to learn again anew to to, to rest. Today's focus is really just kind of a, it might seem like a lighter message. Really, I wanted to keep it simple. Uh, We had about six or eight points to look at, and I just boiled it all. I got rid of a lot of the PowerPoint stuff that I was going to do. And just, I really want to invite you to take a look at your own life this morning. Because this is, if we're not careful, the temptation, I think, as we, as we read this passage, and, and I've, I've 
been trying, and I've been honest before the Lord, I think, and trying to allow him to work in my heart before I even try to deliver this message, and it has steamrolled me. <laughs> and uh, it's a tough one. I've been praying that, that God would speak and that he would do what only he can do in your life today, but I want to invite you to look into your own life and ask yourself the important question of what, what is it in my life that can, that can go? Now, that temptation that I'm talking about is this would be maybe a good message from God's word for your husband or your wife. Or maybe you know a guy that this would be really fitting for, and it's super easy to fall into that. You know, man, I really wish I invited my uncle to this today because he really needs this. Well, I think we all need this. So just be honest before the Lord today, really, is all I'm asking. Some of you in here, maybe you, you came in and you don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, this, this life in Christ is not something that you right now enjoy. Maybe to you, Jesus is this or that. Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the risen Son of God. We have a problem. We were created for life in unity with him and fellowship with him. And we were born into something called sin. And it's the worst news what sin can do. God says all fall short of the glory of God. We talked about this yesterday with the kids. And that the wages of those sins, what we earn by sinning, what we earn by just being, is death and separation from him. Death in the end of our life is bad enough, but we're separated for all eternity in our natural condition. God's not okay with that. There was only one who could rescue us, God himself, and he sent his son to die on a cross, to take the punishment that we deserve. But that, it didn't end there. You know the story. He rose again from the dead by his own might on the third day, and he lives now, inviting us to come to him. So maybe before we can apply any of this stuff, if that's the decision you need to make, to say yes to the gift of salvation that God offers you, I invite you to do that. Okay? You can do it right where you're sitting. I invite you to tell somebody if that's a decision you're going to make today. And I would like to welcome you to the life that lasts forever. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. In our story, if you're not there already, turn to Luke uh, chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 38, as it says on the board. Verse 38 is where we're going to start. And before we get there, you know, you've heard it from Pastor John time and again. You've heard it in your own personal study. You'll hear it from me right now that context is huge. <laughs> when you approach the Bible, and, and you, you seek to hear from the Lord, it's not, it's not enough to take verses out of their context and apply them in any way, which way we, we want to apply them, okay? I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm just saying that a verse is nestled in a certain spot for a certain reason, and context really does, I believe it really does matter, context. In the earlier part of uh, chapter 10, actually, chapter 10, if you're going to take chapter 10 as a whole, the context is loving and serving. Okay, we're going to mention that again. But just the, the kind of the soup that this passage is swimming in is loving and serving, chapter 10. And then in chapter 11 is the words of Christ, or the teaching of Christ, prayer, and power. So you have loving and serving, chapter 10, the teaching and the words of Christ, prayer, and power for chapter 11. And right in the middle is this passage that we're looking at today. And I used to think, you know, I mean, forgive me, but when I, I got saved, I've been, I've been a believer now in Jesus Christ for half my life, 19 years I think it is. And uh, it's been a wild ride, especially at first. I didn't, know, I didn't know anything about the Lord, and I would read the Bible, and some of it I would, I would think, well, how, God, am I going to apply this to my life? I remember reading this passage early on, and I thought, how does this fit in the narrative? Loving and serving... The words of Christ and prayer and power. How does this fit in the middle? And I think that's going to be pretty evident uh, to us by the end of our time together this morning. Luke chapter 10, finally, starting in verse 38. And I just wanted to share the context with you because I think it's, it's pretty important. Let me get on the right page. Context really is important because, not incidentally, if you go down to a bookstore and you look in the Christian section, what they call Christian living... Um, I'm not here to make fun of any of it, but, you know, there are whole books written on just a verse taken out of context, and it does not mean what it's supposed to mean, and it's not some mystery to be unlocked. I mean, God says, and he speaks plainly, okay? When he says he speaks plainly, he speaks plainly, but you can really get your thinking messed up 
unfortunately. So context, yes, is very important. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38, opens our story uh, today. Now, as they went their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. You remember this story, right? And she listened to his teaching, verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, literally, Martha, dear Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, the one portion, the highest portion, which will not be taken away from her. Here's one thing you need to know. Jesus, when he comes into our life, certain things will be challenged. Okay? I'm not here to tell you that when, when you come to Christ, everything will be fixed. I remember, I remember realizing that my sin had me in a pit of despair and I was hopeless. And then I said yes to Jesus Christ. And I asked him to save me and he did. And it was wonderful. The joy of all joys was realized to me. And that moment I was free and I, could, I felt free from my sin and the consequences of it. I understood for once what the Bible was saying. But I'm going to tell you, friend, I, I hate that if I'm spoiling this for you, but my life, it got harder than it ever was before. It was the most difficult period of time those next few years for me. Why? Because God's a, a killjoy? No, because for a purpose and for a reason, God was leading me through a time. And it was for his design. And uh, in the end, I can say I don't want to go back and do it again. <laughs> but I'm thankful uh, for what God has done. When Jesus enters your space, things will be challenged. Your loyalties, for instance, your priorities are going to be challenged by him as he rearranges those things. Your affections, hmm? the loves that you enjoy, those things are going to be challenges, challenges, challenged by Christ in your life, your allegiances. What priorities do you think in your life right now might be challenged by Jesus, if you were honest? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about these two ladies, okay? You know, in this, in this verse, uh, Martha, it, it seems like, I mean, you, know, you see what happened to Martha when Jesus came over. It would almost seem like it, were, it would be better if Jesus hadn't stopped by, right? I mean, she gets so busy. She's serving. I mean, she has a guest. She has maybe a meal to prepare, she has maybe a little bit of cleaning. Maybe her closet's all messed up. But then you have Mary, who is sitting at the feet of Jesus, just in a posture of listening and observing and learning and, I believe, worshiping. How many of you in here are like her, the, the Mary? You think you're, you're like Mary. You're the... You're not one hand. Not one hand in here. How many of you think that at times, probably most of the time, you're, you're, you're kind of like Martha, Raise your hand. See, that's what I'm talking about. You're like Martha. I, I, we talked, uh, Stephanie and I talked the other day about this, and I asked her, you know, what do you think I am? Do you think I'm like a, a Mary or a Martha? And I kind of described what I was asking. And by the way, real quick before I say what she told me, I'm not meaning that Mary is always this way. That she always has it together. She's always the worshiper and the servant. She's, she's always that way. Or neither do I mean that, that Martha is always the, the stressed out, the busy the overtasked. I'm not saying that they're always like that. But I think I'm probably a, a Mary, but with Martha moments. And I think Stephanie's probably a Martha, but with Mary moments. Okay? And it kind of makes sense if you look in this passage and you get to know each other. Some, I think we have our moments, right? And when you have those moments, two people in a relationship, sometimes that can be stressful. What can come up? Strife? Disagreements? Right? That never happens in a real marriage, does it? No. Man, I, had, I remember listening to a pastor one time. He'd been married like 50 years, and he said, you know, Margaret and I, you won't know her, so I'm, I'll just share her name. Margaret, Margaret and I have never had a disagreement. And I thought, what? 
planet do you live on? My wife with the things that she has to put up with. I mean, she's probably, I, I'm, she deserves a trophy. Yeah. Amen. Who's saying amen? Your priorities might be called out right now by him. I'm not here to do it for God. And I'm not even saying that what your priorities are, they can need to completely go away or be completely overhauled. All I'm saying is maybe the thing that's number three right now, maybe it should actually be a 23. Okay? Maybe your number three should actually be a 23 because it's just kind of worked its way up the scale a little bit. And we every once in a while, I don't think this is kind of a one and done kind of a thing this morning, this consideration that we have. I think it's a lifestyle. We have to continually look at our life, take some reflective time, introspection, right? Looking inward, taking inventory and figuring out what our priorities are. This story is one that, that for that reason, I keep coming back to. I keep coming back to it when I hit the reset button because I have a lot of other lords in my life sometimes. I'll explain what I mean by that. Uh, when Jesus things up, shows up, things are revealed. Look at verse 39. 10 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. There she is. She's just sitting. She's present. She's in a sense of rest. She's not you know, checking her likes or you know, stressed out about Pinterest or worried about the meeting tomorrow. I mean, I don't see that. I don't think that we need to really read between the lines to know that she's got a clear head. She's sitting there. She's, she, for whatever reason, knows what the priority is. And she's doing this. And, and the, the word there that I see that is distracted. Distracted in that verse. The Greek word there is, is merimneo. And it means to have your face drawn. And not like by makeup. But like your face is drawn to the side. You're distracted. So distracted is the right word there. But it carries a pretty heavy meaning. To be pulled or yanked. To be pushed and shoved. I mean, it's actually a pretty violent word picture that's being used there. When we're distracted, we're thinking it's just a mind game. When, when Martha there was distracted, it actually means that she was pulled and pushed. And you know what that's like. My, uh, my kids, I have three kids, ages 12, 9, and 6. Oh, there's my closet. Goodbye closet. <laughs> and I try to teach them about distraction. And uh, that it is actually a huge obstacle to our devotion. And we're distracted in so many different ways. And one, one story that kind of reminded me, uh, this passage reminded me of when I was studying again this passage, was uh, that my kids are, they love to have a good time. And I love roller coasters. And so we, we would go to the fair usually every year. And uh, at my in-law's house, they, had a, they actually had the fairgrounds in their backyard, basically. And so we would go to the fair, and we would ride rides. And my son's first roller coaster ride, I call it a roller coaster, you'll see what it is here in a second, was this certain ride, it was called the Street Fighter. And I found a picture of it. And I don't know if you guys like roller coasters, if you like attractions like this and rides, but if you've never been on this thing, I would probably describe this as, uh, if you've ever been shoved into a clothes dryer <laughs> against your will, and somebody slammed the door shut and turned it on for a while, it's about that much fun. It has like a, it has a, a kind of a pen, like a swing, swings like this. And as you would imagine, or if you can kind of tell by the picture, it not only has the swinging motion and goes upside down, but it also spins on another axis. And it reverses directions repeatedly while you're doing it. So awfully fun, right? I'm standing in line. We finally get our way up to the, the front. And you pay good money to get into these things. I'm not going to pass this up. Plus, I want my kids to have a good time. So I get up to the front of the line almost. And I'm kind of just watching to see how it goes. And you know what? They, they start filling up the ride. I don't know if it took 12 or 16 people. Probably 16, I think. And we were the last two to get on this. So I didn't have a chance to really observe and see how it would go. So we're sitting the kids down. And it's Morgan. She remembers this, right? It was Morgan, our oldest. Ezra was sitting next to me. Then it was myself. And then just some random teenager next to me. And it was that, that filled up the row. And so I, I pull down. And what's, I don't know what it's called. It's like a harness thing, you know, on those rides, like a tubular steel with padding on it, you pull it down over your chest, and it's meant to keep you alive. <laughs> so I pulled down, I, I kind of helped Morgan down with hers, okay, I did that, then my son, 
And then I start bending mine down. And about that time, I started to realize something. I'm like the only adult on this ride. And I think it was designed pretty small. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a big dude. I actually don't think it was meant for adults. I'm not small, but I'm also not tall. And I think I was actually too tall for this thing. Because you start pulling it down, and it kind of hurt. Like, it, it hit my shoulders. I'm like, this ain't happening. I thought, okay, good. That's probably a good thing, because I'm kind of thinking of an exit strategy anyway. I'm just going to let the kids roll with this one. So it's not coming down, and it's stuck right here. Right about that time, the girl walks by. She's kind of rough. She walked by, and the worker... And I was looking at her, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm too big for this ride, I think I was born this way, and I'm, that's not going to happen. It wasn't coming down. And so she goes, this is what she did, and I'm honest here. She goes, she puts the, like, the people's elbow down on it, and she pushes down. And it's like pulling my shoulder, I end up like this, and, it, and it finally it clicks once. And this is what she did, she looked at me, she goes, perfect. And she walked off. Morgan... Hers clicked like six times. Ezra's clicked at least like eight times. The kid next to me, his clicked like five times. Mine clicked once. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm barely snapped into this thing. It's going to open up. I'm going to go flying out. This is not going to end well. And it was so scary. I couldn't even breathe. And I actually started kind of stressing out. I couldn't, you know what that feeling is? You can't, you can't even take a deep breath in. And I physically couldn't do it. And this story actually does have a point. Okay, here's another shot of the, this uh, deplorable <laughs> creation. And uh, we ended up, I survived, obviously. But I wonder how many of us are like that right now. Life has us choked out. Life might have us barely able to take a breath. And I'm not talking, you're wrapped up in all the wrong things. You know, I think the battlefield that we face as believers so many times is not the choice between... And the cartoons ruined me on this one. It's always like the red guy and the, the white uniform dude, the angels or whatever, on the shoulders telling you, don't do this, do this. I don't think the struggle is often between awful and good. I think the struggle and the, the battleground we fight on so much, so much of the time is between the good and the best. And your life is full of so many things. Good things, most of them. But are they even the right things? How many of you, I wonder, is, is, are living like that? I've been so busy sometimes, you know, and, and we, we equate busyness with good. And that's, that's a, a farce. But, you know, I've wrapped up in so many things. And I've, I, when life gets hard and things get super stressful and I've said yes to too many things, I have actually asked the Lord, if I can be honest with you. I thought you said your yoke was easy and your burden was light, but this is tough. What's going on? I don't mean to say that God doesn't have a design for the tough times in your life. And I don't even mean to say that if you're living right now in that, that there's a super simple way out of it. Because maybe it's just tough and it's going to be tough for a while. I love Martha. Look at verse, look at verse 40, if you would, please. only have to one, so I better get moving. Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And I, I, when, when I think about this, I, that's when you know Martha's getting a little bit irrational. I mean, she goes, Lord, don't you think Martha should be serving? Do you not care that I'm serving alone. I think, in, I think we would know how that would work, right? You, if you're sitting out there, if you're Mary and you're with Jesus having a good time, jalapeno poppers going, and, you're, and, and Martha's in the kitchen serving, you're going to hear a lot of loud sighing, right, from the kitchen. You're going to hear a lot of clanging pots and pans. If I were Martha, I'd be coming out like, Mary, get, Mary, get in here. But she doesn't even get rude. With Mary, she skips a step and gets, she actually gets rude and really upfront with Jesus. Read it again if you don't agree with me. She skips it and rebukes Jesus. Do you not care? Now, I don't think her, her words for Jesus was because she didn't believe who Jesus was, because the Lord that she called him, there were different words for Lord. This one is the Greek word kurios, which is one that's spoken to someone whom you revere. And someone, there's a measure of fear and respect there. 
So I don't think that it was an issue of belief. I think it was really for her an issue of trust. The more I look at it, she didn't trust that Jesus was in control. And sometimes you need to trust. And sometimes you need courage to say no to things in your life. If I think, if, if I think I'm going to get something done, the, the Marthas, incidentally, are the people that I'm looking for. Well, they're busy about getting stuff done. I want her on my team. What's interesting about Mary is I look at her and, and I, I don't know how she, how did she think that this is what Jesus wanted? Was it just natural to her? It's interesting to me that she was so busy. She was serving. That's a good thing. She loved Jesus. That's what we were talking about, right? In the context of this is loving and serving. I see Martha loving and serving, but that wasn't even what Jesus wanted. Wow. He spoke to her, and it wasn't even what he was looking for. That can be a tough situation to be in. That's tough. Martha, interestingly, she believed that Mary was the key to her peace. What is it that's the key to your peace? What is it that you're looking for? Man, if I only had the help of this person, if I only had this lady in my life, if I only had this education, if I only had an extra hour in the week, or a third arm, or something, what, what is it that you, you think is the answer? What is it do you think would actually give you peace? I, uh, you know, the, the organization that we serve for, the mission board that we serve with, Word of Life, they wanted to test out a class for certain missionaries in the organization, and I volunteered to test out and take this class for them. And it was an online course. You had a lot of reading. You took tests online. You get a certificate at the end. It was kind of a leadership training program. And it lasted a few months, and there, were, there was like 2,400 pages of reading. It was kind of heavy on the reading end for such a short amount of time, in my opinion. So I read all those books, and they were all books like uh, leadership stuff, like I said, and, and emotional health, and uh, taking initiative, and speaking clearly, and doing all those things that they think, that the world thinks are, that would make a, a strong leader. Super tools, right, to help you become more effective. And I was like, man, I need that. Why not take it? So I did it. And you know what? All those tools, I was dealing with stress, and I was like, man, I need to become a, good, a better leader. All those tools, you know what they did? They stressed me out. <laughs> it kind of backfired on me. We're looking for that, just the right podcast, just the right article, just the right book, just the right sermon. What are you reaching for that would bring you peace? What is it that would really just make your life right now? I want you to identify what that might be. I can't find enough. There's not that magic bullet. There's not that, that unicorn of a resource that everybody's searching for. And if we find it, it's going to answer all your, your problems and your questions. Because we're looking sometimes in the wrong place. You know how to tell if your priorities are mixed up? You can, you can tell right now. You know how you can tell if your priorities are all out of whack? Your attitude. How's your attitude when it comes to your kids? How's your attitude when it comes to your spouse? How's your attitude at work? That may be pretty telling of your priorities and your mind coming into that. And you know what? Jesus, she asked Jesus, can you help her? And did he help her the way that he wanted, that she wanted to help, for him to help her? Him? No. Jesus did not help Martha, the way that she thought she needed help. You ever pray for something and uh, God seems like he doesn't answer your prayer and you get all bent out of shape about it? Sometimes I do. I'm like, you know, I'm praying for this thing and I don't see how God could not supply in this way. I'm actually that silly when I pray sometimes. God, I'm praying for this thing. It's a good thing. Why would you not answer according to my will? All right? My will be done. I think I remember that somewhere. And he doesn't answer that way. 
Why, thinking about Jesus here, and I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but you know what? If, if Martha is, is stressed out and she's asking for the answer to her problems and the thing that's going to help her to focus on God's will being Mary's help, and he chooses not to answer in that way, why, why would Jesus help her by putting a Band-Aid on her situation that's going to cause a future of grief for Martha? I, I, don't, I don't see Jesus answering it in that way. Why give her relief in the moment if she's going to have misery for a lifetime and she can never learn what Jesus wants her to learn? The same can be applied to myself. Why would Jesus help, quote-unquote, help you in that moment, in the way that you're asking if it costs you so greatly. Sometimes we approach the Bible and we ask a question, you know, after we read a passage, I believe it's important to ask, how can I apply this to my life? God, how can I apply this to my life? Sometimes it takes a little bit of digging. Sometimes you really have to maybe read it again. This passage for me is not one of those passages. I read this and what's screaming out to me is, prioritize your life. What, what, what are our priorities? That's the resounding question. And I know I keep asking it, but, but what is that one thing? Look at verse 41. The Lord answered her. So don't think he didn't answer her. Like I said, he just answered her in a way that she did not want to hear, perhaps. The Lord did answer her. Verse 41. Martha, dearest Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. That word anxious there, I, I, I looked that up, and it's actually the same word that is used in Greek for distracted up in uh, verse 40. She was distracted, and that's the same word, but actually in Latin they, they, they translate this word angere, which is to be strangled. Jesus tells her that she is anxious and troubled. So she's anxious speaks to an internal reaction. Okay, that's more going on on the inside. So that, that Martha is anxious, that's what's going on on the inside. She just feels strangled, kind of like me on that crazy ride. Never again. <laughs> but she's anxious and she's troubled. That's the external turbulence that she was experiencing. Much of what you may be realizing on the outside of your life might be pointing to the way things are going on the inside. When I opened my closet to clean it, I'm thinking, man, I'm overwhelmed. That's a silly illustration, but I'm thinking, man, I'm overwhelmed. I have other things to do. I'm not going to do this right now. It can wait another month, maybe another year. I have a bunch of good stuff in here I can't get rid of. Things are getting kind of complicated, and I don't want to address it. And it's obvious I'm making this parallel to my own life. It's not about some closet anymore. What is that area of my life that I'm refusing to deal with? It even stresses me out to think about doing what I know I need to do. About arranging things. The clutter is just exhausting. I've let things go way too long. I don't really know where to start. It makes me feel like I can't breathe. Some work needs to be done here. How about your closet? Hmm? How about your life? As one who loves you, as one who's been praying for you, as one who appreciates you and values you dearly, I challenge you to consider your priorities. Verse 42. I'm building up some tension here. We're talking about one thing. Jesus tells Martha there's one thing. He's not saying start with one thing. He's not saying boil it down to a simple ten things. Sometimes I need that. I overcomplicate everything. If you can just boil it down to ten things, I think I'm pretty good. Jesus says there's one thing. I'm building up that tension here because I don't want to spoil what it is. Look at verse 42. Chapter 10 and verse 42. But one thing, Jesus says, there it is, is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, that one thing, which will not be Taken away from her. How many, the, the, when I think about life, I think of those guys who spin plates. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. But you, like, you have like 10 rods and you're spinning plates on top of them. 
And it's usually a circus act or something, and you think everything's going to fall apart and the plates are going to come crashing to the ground. The guy, you know, the lady or the guy ends up keeping the plates spinning. Got to tend to each one. It's chaos. And I think of life kind of like that sometimes. And I have too many plates spinning. What's, what do you have spinning? It's like Jesus told Martha, uh, the plates that you're spinning, they're, it's like, don't worry about it. There's one thing Mary has chosen, and that will remain. Now, Pastor John and I, we've been hanging out. I love, I love your pastor. You guys have, in Sandra and John and the kids, you have so much going for you. And uh, before I go too far, start crying or whatever, I'm just going to say that you need to be praying for that man and his wife. And he hasn't given me specifics. We didn't get together and talk about you or anything. But I'm just going to say, because my experience with working with pastors, how it works, you guys have a lot of good ideas, Right? You have a lot of good solutions. And how does it work? You come to your pastor, or you come up to Sandra. And again, there's no specifics of which I'm aware. So if this sounds like a real-life incident, it's strictly coincidental. But you've got a good idea. I have people come up to me sometimes and say, Nate, what you need to be doing, you need to stop everything that you're doing and get involved in this school down here because they've got this program. Or can you come talk? I was actually invited to go teach like a sex ed class one time. That might be a a bit of a diversion from what I've got going on right now, so I'm not going to do it. Your pastor sometimes, he might have to say, you know what, that's a great idea, maybe for somebody else, but for the protection of his family and for your protection, he might have to say, we're going to have to shelf that for a time. That's a fantastic idea, but I'm going to have to say no, because it's just not the time. A lot of good ideas. Don't get offended. You know those plates that you have spinning in your life? It might be time to let some of them go. Jesus is sitting here saying there's one thing. But you've got 10,000 things. And you're really not doing, if you're honest, any one of them well. Maybe. If you're like me. But you know what? When you stop spinning those plates, when, you, when one comes crashing down, you know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to get offended. So you're going to let somebody down. There's going to be something that's not going to get done. You might be late to your next appointment until you reprioritize things. You might need to go through short-term suffering to rearrange what there is in your life. What is that one thing? Let's uh, go ahead and and answer this question. What what do you think that one thing is that, that Jesus is commending Mary for focusing in on? Total Sunday school answer, guys. Jesus. I know you're at church, and I know the answer is probably Jesus or Moses. Okay? That's just how it goes, okay? And the answer is Jesus, and you're like, Nate, you know, I've been through this passage before. I'm super familiar with it. Why are you even here today telling me about this? The answer is Jesus. He's the one thing. Okay, good, you know that, but knowing isn't the struggle. You know this. I know this. It's not enough. Jesus is that one thing. People from the pulpit, sometimes they like to oversimplify things and they reach for some top shelf assertion. This isn't that. This is actually the one thing. Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ in your life is the one. I keep saying thing, he's a person, I get that. But he's the one thing. You're looking for the one thing. You're looking for simplicity. You're looking for a way to manage your your chaos and somehow just feel more rested so you can take care of those 10,000 things. Or maybe you can just use a little bit more strength or a team or the right church. Maybe if you just had enough money to do God's will. Maybe if there was no conflict. You're looking in the wrong place. You're asking questions that are just not the right questions. Sure, those things are important. Again, that's not what I'm saying. They're all good things. Peace. Togetherness, a lack of conflict, they're all good things. But they're not the main thing. They're not the main thing in your life. Remember the context of chapter 10, like I said, it's loving and serving. But Martha made the mistake. She wasn't loving and serving in the context of chapter 11. 
which is at the words of Jesus, in a position of power and of prayer. If you're a believer, you make time for what's most important in your life, right? You say, well, if I'm supposed to be focusing on the words of Jesus, how do I do that? Where where do you hear from Jesus himself? Where does... To where do you run to hear him speak? The Bible, yeah. You guys know that. The Bible. We need to be studying God's word. There are some people that say if you're not doing it in the morning, you're out of God's will. I say you do need to do it every day, but whatever is the best time and most consistent, whatever time you're actually going to get it done, for some people that's in the evening. Some people it's in the morning. Like me, I'm a morning person. I do my quiet time in the morning. So if if you do not have a time... To set aside for the Lord, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to, I'm going to give you some homework, okay? Our one point for this entire time together was the one thing is Jesus. So if you're taking notes, you're welcome. (laughs) The one thing is Jesus. I was going to actually do like a a half page insert, and this would have been the only thing on it. But I'm going to give you some homework, okay? Because I know you don't have enough to do already. You're lacking things to do. No, no, that's not why, and it's easy. First thing is make space. Free up some of the stuff. Hmm? You're firing on cylinders you don't even have. <laughs> Make some space. Free up some stuff. It's going to be tough. Some people are going to feel hurt, maybe. Don't do it on purpose. I mean, don't be a... By the way, if the way you're serving makes you hard to deal with and hard to live with, you're serving wrong. I'm not saying go out and be a punk to somebody. I'm saying maybe it's time to let things go or back up on some stuff. Make some space. In the context of today's passage, we need to be hearing from Jesus. So make a space in your life to learn from him. Read his word. It's nothing magical. By reading this book, you learn his mind. You're, you're looking into these pages, and you know what you're learning? You're not, you're not arming yourself up for some, like the Bible category on Jeopardy, so you have all the cool answers. It's not the trivia you're after. You're learning this book, but you're learning a person. So if you don't have tools in your life to study God's word, I have tools for you. In fact, I brought a couple boxes of of what I call quiet time. We put out with our ministry uh, quiet time diaries for for an entire year, and I can can just give you those. If you you don't want to talk to me and ask me, you don't have to ask me. I'm going to leave them out in a box here. I have more in my van if you want some. That's about the creepiest way I could have said that. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, come to my van. I have a puppy and some quiet times. No, I have plenty. If you guys want, I might even have enough for half of you in here. So if you, if you want one for your kid, if you want one, I have, they're, they're built for teens and, and adults, so the ones that I have today. So uh, come by me before you have to come to my van. Just stop by. I'll, I'll go ahead and leave them out. I'll leave them in a box in the corner, and you can just come and take them, okay? Get into God's Word. It's, just, it's not the only tool, but it's a fantastic tool that I think, we, you know, I use it every day, and I think it would be good for, for every one of us, okay? Make the space. Not only make the space, but secondly, make a choice. I like what Jesus said. He said she has a choice. Mary made the right choice. What is the one thing that will abide forever? It's Jesus himself. He's not going to make the choice for you. You say, well, God's sovereign, I thought. He is. You say, well, if I have a choice, maybe God's not sovereign, really. Because he's giving me freedom to make a choice. There's, there's a lot of fights on the, that ground. And I'm, I'm kind of a guest speaker, so I can smack and run. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> is God sovereign? Absolutely. In, in every matter, yes, absolutely. Most certainly, he is God and we are not. And he is sovereign and he is in control of your life in every tiny little detail. So how do we have a choice? We don't have to lose sleep. Or get an upset stomach, because that's true. God is sovereign, but we have a choice. He is so sovereign that he still gives you a choice. (laughs) Blows my mind. You have a choice. Make a choice. So not only should we make space, but we should make a choice. We need God's word. We need his help. So what is it? Maybe this means you don't need to check your email every five minutes. Maybe this means, uh, you know, social media or whatever it is for you. I don't, I don't even, everybody rips on social media. I love it. Or Netflix, man. I love me some Netflix. 
Good morning. Good morning. Just woke some of you up by almost falling to my death. I love Netflix, and I'm not saying get rid of it. How about sports? Mm, don't bring up sports. I'm not saying you have to jettison sports. I'm not saying you have to get rid of gaming or what, I, whatever it is. Time with your friends. I don't, I'm not saying getting rid of it is the thing. I'm, what I'm saying is maybe it's crept its way up to number six or number two in your life. God forbid number one, and it should not be there. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for uh, sending your son Jesus to die on, a, on the cross, really to absorb the penalty that I, I deserved. I earned it. You would have been completely justified in putting your wrath upon me. Nobody would have had the leg, a leg to stand on if they said, Nathan didn't deserve that. But Lord, I do. I do deserve it. And uh, thank you, Lord, for the, the only one who could pay my sentence and the sentence of everybody in this room, Jesus Christ, uh, who took the penalty. And he raised himself up out of the grave to show himself victorious and Lord over all, the conqueror of death. It's, it's in him who, in whom we place our trust. It's in him whose name we pray. And Lord, uh, it's in him where we put our faith. Lord, he is the one thing. Can we make things that simple? We can. We're troubled and anxious about many things. And Lord, some of those things may be there. Are there your plan for our life right now? Maybe we need to rearrange some stuff, but Lord, give us the strength. And I pray that when we leave here, we won't be the same as when we came in, uh, such as a waste of time. But Lord, that you would convict us to guide us. And Lord, for the one who considers now life in Jesus, I pray that they would just call out to you. Call out to you in faith that you are the only way. Uh, and that you offer uh, the gift of salvation and redemption from sin. What freedom and liberty there is to be had. We pray these things in, in your name. Amen.